0: Hello, it's Peter Wright and Kathleen Beauvais in Ontario, Canada, with another episode of The Yacking Show. This is the show that brings you business tips and ideas that you can use straight away, and we do that by bringing expert guests. Today is no exception, but first, let's introduce co-host Kathleen from down the road from me in Waterloo. Hi, Kathleen. How are you today?
1: I'm doing great, Peter. Thank you so much. And thank you all for tuning in. And as Peter mentioned, we do have another special guest with us today. Her name is Deborah Johnson. Deborah is a speaker, author, consultant, and podcast host of Women at Halftime. Today, she'll be yakking with us about having a successful business at the halftime phase of your life. Welcome, Deborah. How are you today?
2: I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me on. It's a pleasure. Well, uh, let's uh, let's good. get
1: into it. Uh, tell us mm-hmm. first about your background and what led you on this particular career path.
2: Well, um, I have a large background, huge background as a professional musician and concert pianist. So I, uh, I grew up uh, taking my music lessons, of course, all of that, and started teaching at the age of thirteen. And because I did not want to pull weeds or babysit the five kids next door. So <laughs> I decided to uh, start teaching. I taught a few kids and then their adults, uh, their parents started taking from me. So, it, you know, this it's just been a lifelong thing of that sort of element in what I do. And that's why the the branching out into speaking was so um It it, it's a companion field. Mm
1: -hmm. And
2: so, uh, but I've been working as a musician for a lot of years, did a lot of touring, did a lot of main shows and headline shows, all of that as a pianist, vocalist, and a composer. So I have a number of pieces um, available for download all of that. So I have a lot of music out there. So, uh, but then I expanded Into speaking, and I just came out with my sixth book. I'm a creator. Uh, I love to create. I have to hold myself back because there's too many ideas in this world to create. So uh, then you have to uh, market them. And um, but uh, what really drives me, Kathleen and Peter are, is uh, helping people maximize their skills, resources, and experience. Mm.
1: Because
2: I just see a lot of people sitting on them. Either they get to a point in their life where they're ready for a change, but they're wondering, what do I do next? Um, Can I really do this? I've always had a box. Everything's around me, you know, and telling me what to do now. I want to do something else. Um, What should I do? So just kind of maximizing all of that, uh, because I've been a lifetime entrepreneur, I've understood how to do it in myself myself. But also, I've taught for so many years, and to put those systems together, and it, that's just absolutely a joy. That's a long answer, so.
0: <laughs> it's it's a very good answer. Thank you for that, and uh, yeah, very interesting answer. So you you've started on. Let, let's pursue this one. Why why do so many people get stuck, as you call it, in the roundabout at, at some sort of midpoint of their careers and their life? In fact, is it inertia, or is it more than that?
2: I think it's more than that. A lot of times it's mental. It's mm-hmm. uh, a mindset of um, that. Uh, there's a certain element of, you know, Can I'm getting older. Mm-hmm. Um, can I really do this? Can I handle tech? Uh, you know, I'm kind of a techie because I've been in that field. But mm-hmm. I tell you, I dev- it, the, the only reason I deal with tech is because I've been stuck in it for so long. <laughs> I've, been, I've really been stuck not being able to do something and then had to figure it out. So there's, um, but there's that part, the world is moving so fast. I don't, you know, feel like I'm a part of it anymore. I've heard all of those comments. So just understanding that you can do this, you, um, with, with the right support and the right input and all of that, there's, there's a lot of possibilities and we need those people with all of their experiences Mm -hmm. and and their skills to still be helping those who are coming along Uh, because there's a whole generation that needs that sort of input
0: sure very much so yeah so
1: how do you go about Debra, how do you go about helping someone who's feeling stuck in, say, in in their current career or even in their life? Um, Because, for instance, in their career, they might have been doing it for many, many years, and they just feel like this is all they know. So how do how do you help them?
2: Yeah, that's a common thing. And I don't do a lot of one on ones. I do mostly programs um, that I put together. But um, it's one of the reasons I've I've trademarked and I have a whole program called Hero Mountain Summit, getting to your summit. In fact, I wrote a book, an allegory all about getting to the summit. And I wrote all the steps in my women at halftime book. But the reason I wrote my latest one, Stop Circling and Escaping Your Endless Roundabouts, was I needed to put something simpler together to answer the question that you just asked, Kathleen. Um, Because people don't, they're not even ready to climb their summit. They're like spinning, they're going, yeah, they're asking all of those questions. They're stuck in a rut. They're, yeah, definitely. And they don't really even realize that they're completely stuck or that they they don't, they don't see an end to it. Mm. So um, I put together just some really simple steps um, of, you know, identifying position, not to be depressed about it, but just really looking realistically, where are you at Then that second step is getting the perspective that you need and finding the the right perspective. There's a number of places where you can get perspective. Mm -hmm. And then um, identifying a purpose because that's what gets people out Mm -hmm. of bed uh, in the morning and, and driving. And this can be even in a career that you already have, but you want to expand or it could be something different, totally Um, Or it could be going out into doing an entrepreneurial journey if you've not been into that field. But when I did, when I was writing the purpose area, I really realized that people that um, get stuck in even identifying that because they've not backtracked a bit to identify their core values. Mm -hmm. And my values at this point in my life are different. I have Mm -hmm. adult kids. And I know I look much too young. No, I'm just joking, but but adult kids, I have a couple grandkids. But the my about what I want to do, spending my time, I don't want to be touring full time right now. I want to be doing I do a lot of virtual events. I do select live events. I love live events We've been on large, large stages. Um, I love those, but I'm gonna pick and choose what I want to do. That's why I'm developing more of my online content. To with my lifestyle, and I'm doing more travel. Um, and uh, that uh, Peter, you said you were from originally from South Africa. Well, we went to South Africa last summer. I mean, amazing trip that was, but you've got to create the time, you've got to create the space to be able to do things like that. So, automating a lot of my business and to being able to post from around the world and all of that, and still keep up with contacts. That's, um, that's a challenge, but I help mm-hmm. other people to do some of those same sort of things if that's the direction they want to go. But it's, it's um, you know, going through those parts, and I've stressed even more, just make sure that you spend time with those values. I wrote a whole chapter. It's in the mm-hmm. appendix of my Stop Circling book, but it might be the most important chapter in the book because people don't stop to do that. They go through all of these steps and then just mm-hmm. go, but they're not really evaluating what those values are, and they're usually consistent through your life. They might change a little bit in their mm-hmm. emphasis, but they're usually very consistent throughout yeah. um, your, your life.
0: Mm-hmm. So I, <clears throat> I'm i going to go slightly in, in a different direction now. You, you sort of said to me why people get stuck and why they don't want to change. What happens... In your experience, people who are subject to some external force—in other words, a proverbial kick in the butt—through uh, being laid off, through divorce, through serious illness, through whatever—in my case, having to change continent because of political reasons, for instance—do um, do those people pick up and find a new direction easier than those who haven't had that big shock? What should, what would you say about that?
2: It really depends. Um, okay. I actually um, interviewed uh, our guide, South Africa guide, who did the same thing that you did. He picked uh-huh. up and moved to Canada. Really? Day. Yes. Fascinating story. Um, and, you know, his family was under attack. They had to, all of them learned to use weapons when they were growing up. You know, the whole thing of apartheid. But... Uh, it. Some people have never learned resilience, but I find a lot of people and we've read these inspiring stories with with the people that have come from those hard backgrounds that have developed resilience. They developed Mm -hmm. the ability to persevere. And uh, a lot of us get a little soft, you know, Mm -hmm. we you know, and then, oh, anything comes our way and uh, we just give up and there's, there's a certain amount of that. Uh, There's that song, what, uh, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Um, So it's very, very true. I wrote the hero inside song way before I um, developed the speech and the trademark for it. It was all about, you know, the hero inside Mm -hmm. that all of us have. I wrote that some years ago. And, but that is what it, it's a choice. Uh, Peter, it's a, a real choice of where you're going to focus your mindset. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. if we decide to just let us keep us down, it will. It, it's hard. It's it's not easy. That's why you have to surround yourself with the right type of people yep. that will help you through that. And I wrote about this in my Women at Halftime book with our relationship circles, because you know, people depend on, okay. I got all these friends, I got all these, you know, contacts. And look at your circle, trusted mm-hmm. circle of contacts. I've had the same lifetime group probably for 15, 20 years. And that the very important, trusted that you could, you know, share with and uh, encourage each other on that and get, getting the right perspective. So I think some of that, uh, Peter, it it really depends on the choices that people are making, whether they say I can do this and and work through it. Let yourself be sad. Let yourself be depressed. Let yourself go through that. That's fine, because a lot of times it's even your fear it, it's a good way to gauge where you're at and the reality of the situation when you were moving from your your situation in South Africa it was you know that some people had to do that they're just fearing for their lives and they've learned how to you know amazing how to you know to do something else and you know, necessity is the mother of an invention of your, you know. Absolutely. Did I did, did I say that right? Invention is a yeah. necessity.
0: Necessity is the mother invention. Yeah, no, you're right. I you're thought right. I right. had,
2: had right. it right. You know, it's like I was thinking you, too you hard. You
0: got it right. You got it right. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah. So, so I, I don't know if that's a full answer, but part of it is the fact that It's a choice and whether to let the situation um, help you be stronger. It's like an athlete that's going to, I am married to professional athletes. So I'm athletic talk quite a bit and raising sons, but the, you're not, you're not going to get faster in a race unless you, you know, you go through the pain and Mm -hmm. um, that's, That's part of our life journey. And it's not easy. Mentally, it's not easy. It's it's not. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, finding the resources, the help, the guidance that will help you is so very, very well worth it.
0: Mm -hmm. I'm going to throw a little personal uh, thought in here. You see the poster on the door behind me. Yes. Uh, you'll, you'll know what I'm talking about. That is a picture of me running the Comrades Marathon in South Africa. I don't know if you heard about the Comrades Marathon when, when you were there, but it's 50, over 50 miles, 85 kilometers. And it's either from sea level to 2,500 feet or one year up, one year down. And it's, it's, the, it's the the dream of every South African runner to run that at least once. I did four. And and that's where the pain, that's where the pain comes in, believe me. I just wondered if you'd heard about that in South Africa. At all.
2: I think that was the race... We were there. We had to take a detour. So Good we will were, be. had to, you know, work our way around. And I heard about it, but I didn't know if that was the race.
0: That's the uh, race. But there
2: were a lot of people there, but it was, it was fascinating, you know. Yeah. Uh,
0: it was... yeah. Mm-hmm. It used to be the biggest ultramarathon in the world. It got, oh, that was way 20, 30 years ago when I ran it. Then, of course, New York and London have all taken over. It's interesting. Anyway, sorry, this is not about me. This is about you. So back to <laughs> Kathleen. Oh,
1: it's fascinating.
0: Back to Kathleen to, to get me back on track.
1: Uh, Deborah, you, you just touched on your music career earlier, but I, I'd love to hear a little bit more about it. You've had a very successful music career, and I've heard about Grammys.
2: Yeah, I was up for a number of Grammys. I did not actually win one, but I was up for a number of Grammys. Um, Yeah, the the process is amazing. And I'm an independent artist, um, but I grew up uh, starting in piano and uh, added the voice. And so I was a double major. I got kind of pushed into education. But I started touring when I was in college and uh, kept that up. Uh, probably I did a solo show. So I did the I did a musical theater kind of solo show featuring oh. the music of Andrew Lloyd Webber mm-hmm. and of Gershwin. Uh, oh, I, yeah. have the, I have the high and low notes. You know, I can sing those money notes. So wow. uh, that's uh, the solo shows. And then I'd fly out bands with me. And I've done, you know, just work as a musician for a number of years. And then, uh, I linked up with another main artist and we did a double piano show. Um, a lot of f- large arenas and large places. We did headline work there too. A lot of fun did you know between all of the special effects and that we did um video and you know props and all that sort of our prop suitcases that we carried across the country but anyway um, <laughs> a lot of fun a lot of work but a whole lot of fun I learned a lot um and uh from this colleague and as well you always learn from each other so um he, he was wonderful and that was called double grande uh you know the the coffee grande so that we kind of did that i don't know if anybody mm-hmm. even got it but anyway but it was uh that was a lot of fun and and i still do some work as a musician you know that will never end for me um and i'm putting out more of my sheet music i have a lot of music still that i still don't have the sheet music you know crafted and and to be released so mm-hmm. i'm gradually doing more i have probably about a hundred and almost 200 maybe i don't know a lot of pieces that are available for download on online wow. so yeah, there's just a lot lot of that. I could work for the next 10 years just on music. <laughs> but, oh, uh, you wow. know, yeah, it's just uh, a lot of that. But, you know, again, I'm a creator and that's what I love. But I love to help people create their next act and their, you know, what they're going to do next. And it's very much within my wheelhouse to be able to do that. Um, and so that's that's a little bit of my music and it will never that will never end i tell my kids when i'm old and i start losing my mind hopefully i'll keep it but you never know um but music's the last thing to go and i said i'll probably never quit playing and singing i'll just probably you know put me in the home and, then, and I'll have a lot of music that'll just still be there um because it is the it's the first people kind of the uh sensory that through that uh mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, uh, your brain. And then it's usually the last, and that's why you hear people all of a sudden sing full songs or, you know, they remember all of this music Mm -hmm. and And it's great
1: therapy. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. And
2: it's wonderful therapy. Yeah. Yeah. Music therapy is wonderful. So, well,
1: I have such respect and admiration for musicians. I really do. I I just think, wow, such talent. So kudos to you, Deborah. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Peter.
0: Oh. I'm going to ask everyone another music question, quick one. <laughs> where, did, where did the push for you to develop your music career come from? Was it purely internal because you love music and wanted to do it? Or were you pushed by parents and outside influences, tutors and the like? Or, or did they just encourage what you had as a natural desire and, and talent?
2: Well, that's a very, very good question. I am asked that. Um, I wanted to take... Uh, first, I wanted to take organ because I just thought mm-hmm. it was so fun with all the you mm-hmm. know, pedals and all the stuff. Um, but yeah, the stops. Um, but then I was encouraged to start on piano and I really wanted to take. Now, I have a grandmother, my mom's mom. That came over from Italy um, and that she was a concert violinist. She played in Carnegie Hall at the age of 16 um, violin and mandolin. Wow. And then she graduated from the New York Conservatory of Music. And so that's it was for that day. It was huge. But then she went into an arranged marriage and had a dozen kids and never played again. But that was just the time. So there was the, the music genes. In fact, I have mm-hmm. one of my sisters um, was a professional, is a, a violinist. And I was her free accompanist growing up. So wow. she um, she played and but we all took music. My mom was very committed to, for us being in music. Now, I loved music, but I didn't always love to practice. So mm-hmm. that is one of the hardest disciplines Mm -hmm. with anything almost and Mm -hmm. and how to drive that in music is harder because it's not Mm -hmm. like sports where you're playing every weekend and or you're with your team and you're all working together it is you know it's an individual sport and you're you know whatever you're going to call it and you know you're practicing and you're thinking oh you know this is these exercises are just you know oh you know boring So, um, that sort of, she would have to, you know, my mom was, would be encouraging us just to get that practice in and she'd have different little, you know, gifts and all these sort of things that we're supposed to, and she, she, (laughs) the piano was in my room first. And so, because my mom said, when you play good enough, we'll put the piano in the living room. And it was an old upright. She had gotten almost for free probably. And, you know, but it worked. Heavy thing, and so it was in my room. And she would sit on my bed and count the number of times I would play through my scales, play through my arpeggios. She didn't know them, but she was able to count how many times I did. So, mm-hmm. and it's the reason I can just play for hours. now I don't have to look at hands. But that's the repetition, and I learned yep. how important that exact repetition is. It's important in sports. And it's one of the reasons yep. that my husband and I we get along great. I am so non-sports. It's funny. So, but. Mm-hmm. As far as abilities, I mean, I work out, but you know, it's just it's it's different. But we under both of us understood entertainment and the type of practice and repetition that is Mm -hmm. important, and it's a good life principle. And so, oh yeah, I think that answers some of your question of this. It 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 ended up being a drive through. I I was saying I don't know what else I wanted to do. I didn't think of any. You know, I got kind of pushed. pushed into teaching a little more I wanted to be in performance but that's what they do they make you choose when you're in a college and they Mm -hmm. make you choose okay and that because I was a good teacher I've taught for so many years I got kind of pushed in that area into you know working with some of the top trainers and then I got contract offers when they weren't even being made and it's like do I even want to teach and so I did a couple years I've taught even at the universities and everywhere but it wasn't my first love to be in the classroom. And, I, and I've always known that. So, um, you know, the entrepreneurial route is not always the easiest. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you don't get that little pension and all everything else, but but it's very, very rewarding. And it's, I'm doing what I love to do. So that's, I think there's certain sacrifices that you make in that, but I've, I've worked very hard um, and when one thing doesn't work, you try something else. Absolutely. And
0: there for you sure. go. <laughs> so I, I'm, I'm just going to push this one, if I may, Kathleen, just a little yeah. bit more because <laughs> I don't, I don't want to tell Deborah my story because it's not about me. But uh, what advice would you have for parents whose children show some musical ability and may or may not want to make a career out of it? How do you get the balance right? How do you advise them to get the balance right between pushing the child and pushing so hard you turn the child off? You got any advice for parents on that one?
2: Yeah, that's a really, really good question. It's right. I wrote the book Music for Kids. Oh, there you uh, go. <laughs> but <laughs> because I was asked so many times, oh, when should I start little Charlie on piano lessons? Because he's so talented. I'm sure he's a genius. <laughs> um, yeah. um, I recommend age eight or nine and boys usually nine. Sometimes girls can be about eight. But the... Uh, I I use the illustration that this just needs to be a part of their education. Mm -hmm. They don't need to be a musician very. In fact, I recommend very few going to the musician field. I recommend, because I've had a lot of interns for the college uh, or local university and um, their music majors. I'm thinking this guy needs to be a business major and they can minor in their music. (laughs) How are you going to work in this field? It's it's a tough field. You need to mm-hmm. be doing film score. You need to be doing so many of those things. And there's very few, actually. But you can tell those that would have some sort of bent, but it needs to be a little bit more self-driven. You can encourage. But I encourage music, and this is why it's really upsetting if they cut music from curriculums in schools, because it's so good for their spatial reasoning. It's good for their... Um, e- identify ear. It's good for listening. It's good for repetition. It's all of those things with music. People can sometimes sing things back, and they can't say things back. Mm-hmm. And it it's so very good for us mentally, and for those kids growing up. And that's I don't teach anymore, but I'm teaching my granddaughters. Um, and the impo- and they're not going to be. I always tell you know they're not going to be musicians. <laughs> Just you know, there's that expectation but mm-hmm. it's a part of their education part right. of it going through and it's something i can give them plus it gives me a little extra time with them the one i have a couple that are more local so they're just to actually grand, grand, grand i'm hoping for more eventually but the um but it's so good for them right. developing all of those motor skills and especially with piano with the both hands mm-hmm. And then they can branch out once you know the chords and once you know those basics and once you know the theory, they can branch out anywhere. I think that answered your question.
0: It does very much. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Now I've got to watch time. So uh, (laughs) tell us, tell our audience about your Hero Mountain Summit.
2: Hero Mountain Summit um, is a 20-week program, and I have a free uh, webinar coming Mm -hmm. up that if you uh, get on my newsletter list or if you just check online, you'll see that too. A free webinar that's really an introduction webinar to it that tells you all the steps, and it goes through a lot (laughs) of what my Women at Halftime book goes through. But a lot of people don't read, (laughs) just don't read, or they don't follow the application guides that I put in here. So um, the Hero Mountain Summit gives you a guide. It goes through all those six steps of your mindsets, your skills, your competency, your habits, um, relationships, and uh, purpose. It goes through all of those. So it, it's uh-huh. kind of yeah, the, the step that goes through step-by-step step with a guide that helps you um, really kind of a pace throughout. And then if you choose to go further, you can go further. But it's it's going to give you a lot of those basics where people, People are kind of, okay. Yeah, I need to do something that's, you know, reasonable that's going to keep me accountable every single week, and so that's where I put together at the twenty weeks. It's not too long, mm-hmm. um, and it gives enough time to go through each one of those steps, which really needs. We start with mindset uh, at. <laughs> Yeah, you know, a lot of people are just stuck right there.
1: Mm-hmm. So,
2: and we go through some of the things I even cover with my Roundabout Hero, such as the Haffer's tool that's in there of evaluating where you're at. It helps you give that position and, and where you're at and the mindset that you have facing really realistically where you're at and that that you can go on from there.
1: Mm. So, Deborah, you've mentioned your books throughout um, our chat with you, but can you give yes. a little bit more about your books, and your, then your podcast.
2: Sure. Um, my books are, uh, I have, you know, just coming out with my six. This is my latest. And of course, if you're on video, you can see it. Um, I love the heart. I love like books you can hold, uh, but it's available, of course, as an ebook and audio book, but the stop circling. And this was really, it's very simple, but yet very applicable. And so mm-hmm. I put the study guide right in it. I don't want people to have to buy anything else. This is it, you know, and they can go through this. They can even write in the book. The book before that was The Summit, which is and I just have three with me, by the way, uh, right here. So this one is an allegory. It was one of the hardest books I've written because it's like because I've written musicals, too, by the way, that we didn't get into that. We don't need to. But. The writing the book of a musical is the hardest thing is to cut it down to make sure it's very, very focused. And that's what an allegory is it's a story within a story. And it was great fun mm. talking about um, uh, Mallory, her name, is, she's the uh, protagonist. Her name means ill fated. And she has to go through this journey of all of these areas to get even the social media surface, everything, to be able to climb her summit. And her name changes to Andriette, which means strong and courageous, but she has to go through all of that. And then women at half time that, I think I have all of these here because I just did another podcast this morning. So this one is the one that goes through the steps of Hero Mountain Summit as well. But it's, I wrote this and then I started my podcast and I had um, wow. kind of gone through this the halftime You know, mid-career, halftime of life, some people that are, uh, come to me, they go, well, I think I'm in the last third, but you know, whatever, you know, this longevity, we're going to have more longevity these days. I also wrote a book called Bad Code, which is a great fun book, uh, very applicable, talking about how uh, the technical code and virtual world applies directly to our mindset in our Mm -hmm mental code and so i compare those in a lot of those terms and and i did interviews with that book as well of people going through the decades of code from the 20s 30s 40s mm-hmm. all the way through so that's a that's a fun book and i have a couple others so you can look those up but um those are great fun and then okay. my women at half time yeah women in half time you can just look that up podcast uh i think we're you know been going now for a while we're as this airs we'll be well past our 200 mark i think 230 or something like that i don't know 220 but um it's great fun i love it producing is in my uh, my wheelhouse and it's it's great fun to do and I, I do one interview a month then my husband's on with me once once a month because we have a lot to say together and we've been married I read about years. that yeah yeah and then i speak at least a couple times a month sometimes i'll slip in a bonus too
1: So what kind of people do you interview on your Women at Halftime
2: podcast? I really, it's, there's a variety. Um, It depends on what I, you know, like I'm interviewing. um, I don't think as this airs, I'm not sure if his episode will be up, but it's all on AI. So all of the new technical okay. AI, um, I've interviewed on mindset. So I interviewed, uh, one that wrote the imposter syndrome um, about that. Mm-hmm. I've interviewed, um, an attorney that created a SAS, uh, program for attorneys to help them with the paperwork. It's, it's a smattering of people. I interviewed a guy who got into, uh, that I've known for years, got into the ground level of life and his been oh, yeah. with that organization. I mean, he's on the top tier and he has been, but he went through a lot of struggles and he started out as <clears throat> you know school bus driver and <laughs> came all the way through. So uh, you just, um, you know, stories and um, kind of selective, I get a lot of requests, but kind of selective that way, but that will help people encourage people through their journey, and just a variety of people that um that have a story that I can share. And I know this is all about a story. So mm-hmm. your, your show, which is which is really fun. That's oh. what keeps people <laughs> interested. So
1: well thank you. And and Peter, we are running short on time, but I know you do have a burning question. So
0: oh yeah I'm De- oh, <laughs> I've got to ask Deb. I have to ask Deborah my burning question. But I'm going to follow up and watch some more episodes of your show. I had a quick look at one unfortunately ran out of time but I'm I'm certainly going to be spending some time on that. So here's the burning question. Deborah, in your experience, and you've had compared to most people, a huge amount of experience between your music world, speaking, writing books. I mean, you've done more than the average five people do in five lifetimes. So in all that experience, is there one habit, mindset or characteristic that sets the successful people apart from the average? And and that could be success in, in business. It could be success as a musician. It could be success as a mother, as a wife, whatever. What's your opinion on that? Is it one thing or more complicated?
2: I think there's more. um, Mm -hmm. But I think ingrained in that as far as habits, um, tenacity. Mm -hmm. When I was first Mm -hmm. called tenacious, I had to go look it up because I thought it was a bad word. But tenacity (laughs) (laughs) was when I was producing my very first album and my producer said, or the uh, engineer said, you're tenacious. I'm thinking, I have no idea what that means. So I had to go (laughs) and look it up. (laughs) But also persistence. Um, But I get up early, just the habits, create a habit that can help you stay consistent in life. And so Mm -hmm. I get up early, Mm -hmm. I exercise, do the things for your body, eating right, exercise, those sort of things, all of that comes together. But I think you know, the fact, uh, and I just produced another, that it's, it's, it's already out the podcast out of just never give up. You know, we've heard that from, for years, Mm -hmm. even from Winston Churchill, all that, but that sort of phrase, um, that doesn't mean you're not willing to change. Mm -hmm. You can change Mm
1: -hmm.
2: and you can pivot. Oh, everybody hates that word pivot after, you know, shutdowns, but Mm -hmm. we, you can change, but you still have to have that sort of Mindset that no, it's not worth giving up, and I tell you, it doesn't matter what level you're at, you're gonna still have those same feelings. Mm-hmm. And we hear it, you know, these beautiful models, and there's you know, everybody that's you know, facing this. Oh, I don't feel good about myself, all of that stuff. And, oh, maybe I should give it up. It doesn't matter. I face some of those feelings, and to be honest, it's like okay is this going as fast as I want? Should I just, should I just throw in the towel? You know, so once in a while, I go through those little, same little things. Like everybody else goes, you think, Oh, you've done so much, you know, but that's those sort of mindsets. You have to surround yourself with not only the influences, but the patterns of life that help you not give up. Yep. And, and I think that, that is probably one of the most important things, and, and not being afraid to change, not being afraid to admit, you know, this isn't working. Let's move another, or you know, a well, different like, direction, or something. It's okay, cool. right? Right. Hmm.
1: Yeah. Well, thank then, you, how do
2: you, Very good.
1: How do people contact you, and how do they get your books?
2: Thank you so much. It's so cute because you're both going back and forth, and Peter keeps coming right in here. <laughs> <That's> right. <laughs> I, the best way to stay in contact, and I know people are overwhelmed with newsletters, but I do have a newsletter, but I can, you can go to my website anytime too. But my newsletter is goalsforyourlife.com forward slash newsletter, easy, goalsforyourlife.com forward slash newsletter. You can get there also on my Deborah Johnson speaker website. You can get there on my DJ Works Music website, and you can always find a place you know to sign up or to get the, the updates. I have a newsletter coming out every week also on LinkedIn, but it's not going to have all that has the weekend edition that I put in extra music links. I put in all of the extra things that are, you know, coupons and things for different things Having And I give away a lot of free stuff. So I have a lot of a lot of content. So. Anyway, that's kind of the best way to stay in contact with me. And you can always email me through my site. I don't uh, just broadcast that because I get so sure. many spam calls. Sure. So, anyway, as we all do. As so, we all do, uh, <laughs> yeah. And then your books. But that's the best. And my books are all on Amazon. You can oh, find okay. all of them. And you can go, if you go to my website, you will find a link. There's, They're all over there. So you can even find my author page on there. And if you're looking for music, it's the DJ Works music is all on there too. I have albums. If anybody still play CDs, yes, I have them. Uh, I can ship them and I have music books. All of that is available if they want the, the actual music in their hands. You know, I'm able to produce those here, but mm-hmm. otherwise they can, it's all downloadable as well
1: excellent oh my goodness wonderful all yes.
0: for our sorry for our audio listeners all that information will be in the description if you if you didn't see it as a subtitle back to you kathleen
1: Oh, deborah it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show today thank you so much for joining us We really appreciated it. And thank you all again for tuning into our show. And if anyone is interested in being a guest on our show, please visit us at theyackingshow.com. All you need to do is click on the contacts tab where you will find a short application form. So until next time, take care, everyone. Bye-bye.
0: Goodbye.